And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the planet, we're Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Curley. I'm Gary McNamara. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and listen when and where you choose. Just want to take a couple of uh, moments here and let everybody know, and, and hopefully you too will give your thoughts and prayers to a very good friend of ours and a very good friend of the uh, the, uh, the the show, uh, Hal J., who for, wow, since 1980, I believe it is, yeah, has uh, done the morning show at our flagship station, uh, WBAP, uh, uh, announced here a couple of uh, days ago that he has to undergo a heart transplant. Yeah. And I heard his interview yesterday and had me in tears because he's still got a great sense of humor as he's now will be you know <laughs> yeah. waiting to get a yeah. a a heart uh, uh transplant mm-hmm. and they said he actually they the doctors or the you know whoever was there doctors nurses anything you're allergic to and he said yeah hospital bills <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah uh you know i how jay goes back in 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 terms of radio goes back with my dad further than I do. Uh, my first day uh, at, uh, at, at, at this small town radio station, when I first started radio in, in 84, my dad was listening to WBAP when he picked me up. My car was in the shop. Mm-hmm. So my mom took me that morning and then he p- picked me up at the end of the day. A lot of people may not know that Hal J and Dick Siegel at that time were doing split shifts. They were doing morning drive and, and afternoon yes, drive. Yeah, that's great. The, just yeah. thinking about that just is mind-boggling. Um, and we were on the way home, um, driving down Keel Road because it was a small town. The radio station, every radio station, was out in the middle of nowhere, right? And so we're headed down Keel Road driving away from the radio station. And my dad says to me, you know, son, this would be a great hobby. I was fresh out of high school. This would be a great hobby. Um, But if it's going to be a career, 
then maybe you think about military or law enforcement or something. And, you know, it, if you're one of these guys, and he's basically pointing to his radio <laughs> uh, in his old F-100. Back then it wasn't old. It was a, it was only, I think, three years old at that time. And he said, uh, uh, if you're one of these guys pointing to the radio, and he was listening to, to Hal Jay and Dick Siegel. And I remember their voices coming through because such a great team uh that they were and uh it it it's it was just i mean it would cut through the airways and you could hear the voices and i remember thinking to myself in the back of my mind dad i'm never going to get to that point so let's just temper the expectations <laughs> just thinking in the back of my mind i just remember that and it because it was my first day <laughs> and then years later in 1996, I went to work. Our our show back then was uh, at our flagship station, WBAP. And starting in the year 2000, and, and that went on for over nine years, um, I also did Voices for Hell. Uh, and we uh, executed uh, live bits every morning. Uh, and I it was so great to be in that room. And so knowing how the way I do, I mean, of course, when he was on with uh, the morning show yesterday on WBAP, uh, it was, there was going to be some humor involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you knew there would be, yeah. But it is, it is uh, of course, severe. And and I, I just know in my heart of hearts that he's going to pull through this just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, uh, you know, this, when you say the words heart transplant, uh, that's a that's a huge that's a big big deal uh but you know this is a guy who uh has such a great outlook on life and is such a great person and cares about people i just know that in my heart of hearts that it's this is going to go great it's going and he's going to beat expectations and uh, and do very well. So our thoughts and, mm-hmm. and prayers are with him, uh, his entire medical team, his lovely wife Anne, um, and and his entire family. It, it's uh, you know these are the things that because years ago I remember being in the studio uh, at our old place when it came down that that Hal had a heart attack, and it was just you know. It was totally unexpected. I remember that. And I day. just remember yeah. being shocked yeah. by that. And I was learning yeah. in the moments before his show would start, our show was ending. And it was just, uh, it was just really, you know, shocking to us all. Um, and, and so, you know, you throughout the years, you have so many colleagues. Of course, they become friends. And, you know, they, they go through their issues, you go through yours, and it's shared as a family. And, you know, that's that's exactly who Hal is. You know, Hal's one of those radio personalities, for those that, that uh, aren't familiar, if you're outside the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area, that is that kind of personality. He is the consummate companion on the radio, and he, and if you're a listener, and I've been told this by countless listeners over the years, that you feel like you're a member of his family. You feel like uh, you're a friend. And that's that's his demeanor on the air. 
Uh, that's been his approach. And I know that, that that's how he feels for listeners, he even does. if he's never met you in person. You know, when um, it was when I was in Marshall, Texas, which would have been 84, 85, and 86. And we used to come, you know, for a number of reasons to yeah. uh, to Dallas. Yeah. And I'll never forget listening to Hal Jay. And, and you think about it when you, for people just a little inside radio, when you work in a small market, you always think, wow, to get to one of these big markets is never going to happen. But if it ever could, but I mean, come on, I mean, reaching yeah. that level. And I remember, right. you know, hearing Hal numerous times when when uh, we would uh, take the trip to Dallas, whether it was a Rangers game or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, we would, uh, you know, you'd, we'd hear me. You just go, wow. And yeah. the people I'd be with were also, you know, small market radio people going, oh, wow. So finally, years later in, in 2000, when I go to work at WBAP, I, you know, I meet Hal Jay. And after a couple of months, you know, and, you know, talking to him and everything else, I just went, you know, he's got no business being in radio. He's just too nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and I wrote that on Facebook the other day. It's like. I have, you know, he is one of the most genuine, nice, caring, gentle people uh, uh, that that you could ever meet. Yeah. And he is, you know, the way he's on the air with the sense of humor, but yeah. also that you you sense the the, the genuine kindness out of him. Mm-hmm. That's the way he is in real life. It's when. Uh, when you, when you, all of your life want to, you strive to make people laugh. That is, that is a, it should be a selfless act. I know it is for Hal. It is, yes. And because you're looking to put a smile on somebody's face, it's the best feeling in the world, uh, when you can do that. And he's done that repeatedly over the years. And I think about, you know, all the, uh, the, the great moments that, that we have had, um, both on and off the air and, and, and being in that room, I have never laughed harder in my life. I mean, there were times when I we would be writing and I just couldn't catch my breath. And that you know, that's kind of the that again, that's a, a very selfless act to make one of you know uh, to to want to make people laugh and and enjoy that, put a smile on their face. But it went beyond just making you laugh. He really cared about cares about individuals and has always cared about his audience and and you know that's why it was a given that when we learned that Hal is going to have a a heart transplant that we all put him uh in in our thoughts and prayers yep. and we know um he's going to come out of this just fine and the one thing i always remember i didn't you know i actually came in on my interview yeah and they actually said hey you want to sit in for a couple of days Mm. on on middays i went okay just to see how you sound you mm-hmm. know? And then, yeah they paid me for it mm. <laughs> so it wasn't like an unpaid drought they paid me for it i said mm-hmm. sure i'll do it i'll right i'll i'll you know i'll fly in to do it and so you know when you do the middays it was right after the morning show but you would do the crossover with hal yeah right well i'm still thinking you know even though i bed worked at better stations it's like this wbap wow yeah and it's yeah. and so you walk in and you have to do and there's all these people you don't know and you have to do, all right, yeah. here's what's coming up. Hey, how are you doing? What's coming up? Mm. Hey, I mean, he made you feel just so at home. I mean, there yeah. was no, there's, there's, you, I, I don't think anybody in the business could ever say that there was any type of 
professional jealousy from him, only no, a no, welcoming, yeah. welcome, yeah. welcome, how you doing, yep, welcome, yep. you're part of the team, thanks for being here. I mean, almost zero ego. Yeah. No, he yeah, will. He, he's the first to uh, tell you it's not about him. Uh, he loves to have fun, but, yeah, that ego is, is not yeah. there. And that is the case even when they introduce, like, a new salesperson comes in, and it's not someone that the audience knows, um, but they would, you know, they'll introduce new staffers that are not on the air, uh, behind the scenes, off the air, and he's the same way with everyone. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter who you are. Uh, there are, Hal Jay has friends that he's met and friends that he hasn't met in person yet. And that's just the yeah, kind that's of guy, the guy he, he is. is. So we just, please keep in your, your thoughts and, and prayers. We are, and, and like you, uh, I think he's going to do okay. I think he's going to yeah. do okay. I mean, yep. he's good. What a great attitude though, to hear that yesterday. I mean, it was, it's funny because the seriousness of it, when I found out, I mean, it hit me like a brick. And then yeah. next thing I know, you, you hear him on the air laughing. You're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, he's pulling it off. And at the same time saying, you know, the psychological, he said this on the air, the psychological, you know, stuff it does to you, knowing you have to have a heart transplant, you know, it's just unbelievable. And yeah. I'm like, well, and then yeah. 10 seconds later, he's telling a joke and everybody's laughing. And it's like, yeah. wow, I just don't know if I could. Yeah. Don't know if I could do that. Don't yeah. Know. So I have so much admiration for him and so much respect uh, for him. And, and we love him. He's always been a su- huge supporter of our show. Yes. And absolutely. so we just want to wish him and his family and his wife, uh, Ann, and and just everyone uh, that, that knows him. Because a lot of people that's close to him. He's got a lot of family that isn't blood. Yeah, no and, doubt. And no I think, doubt. I, think I mean, knows that. my gosh. Yeah. Uh, that you all, know all, all, everyone everyone on the morning he's you know, with him everyone. he's uh connected to everybody and it's just because you know he's again that's the kind of person he is he you're a friend mm-hmm. uh he's uh friends with nolan ryan uh you know but it, it, it's you know i mean it, it's he, he would probably be the first to tell you that it's it's nolan i mean he recognizes that it's nolan ryan but you know it's just one in a long line of friends yeah. that he has. Yeah, and we're all friends. pulling for him and know that he's going to do great. Love you, Hal. Uh, 866-90-RED-EYE. Starting and charging system-related issues are one of the most common causes of winter breakdowns. So when your batteries talk, it's important you listen. Knowing the warning signs that could indicate your electrical system needs attention can help you avoid getting stuck out in the cold this winter. Dim lights are an early warning sign that your alternator is degrading and near the end of its life cycle. Lights that are brighter than normal, on the other hand, can indicate your alternator is overcharging. Get a full electrical system check if you notice your headlights getting dimmer or brighter. This report brought to you by Luberfiner, engineering filters that are built to do more for heavy-duty fleets since 1996. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Uh, we were uh, earlier uh, last hour, right up to the top of the hour, talking about uh, Senator Ron Johnson on with uh, Chuck Todd uh, yesterday on uh, Meet the Press, talking about 
uh, Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, and uh, sorry, Ron Johnson was unprepared for the uh, for the interview on someone who you can easily defeat on every single argument. And we've made the case that we're just sick and tired of Republicans, you know, not being prepared when they go do a show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, and then go on Fox News to whine that they're not being treated fairly because he's a political activist. You can still label him a political activist and win every single argument with him if you do your homework. Mm-hmm. That was our point. Let's get to some calls. We go to Harry in Pittsburgh. Harry, welcome. You're on Red Eye Radio. Well, thank you very much, and I hope everything works out for your friend Howie. Sounds Thanks. like an incredible human being. Thank you. He is. Thank you. Um, Mr. Todd is a highly paid, highly trained, professional liar who has a staff of highly paid, highly biased professional liars telling him what to say. Now, Mr. Johnson, uh, if I remember correctly, was actually going to retire. He wasn't going to seek reelection, but because of the way that the map broke down, stayed to help the Republicans try to uh, take control of the Senate. So Mr. Johnson, his job is to actually take care of and help and listen to other people's. And Chuck Todd's job is to do nothing more than make millions of dollars for Chuck Todd. So I think you're comparing apples to orangutans because Mr. Johnson isn't going in there, although he should, and you guys are right doesn't expect the avalanche of lies and false statements that then he needs then he needs then he needs to get out of being a u.s senator you have a republican party you you have a party that has unlimited resources and it isn't tough to figure out and go back and look at chuck todd's lies the internet exists you have researchers you have staff members Harry, with all due respect, I'm sick and tired of these excuses that somehow the Republican Party is weak to somebody as poorly prepared as Chuck Todd is. Chuck Todd is not well prepared. You're giving Chuck Todd way more credit than you should give him. He's easy. You can dissect his arguments if if you just if if you understand that when you walk in there, he's going to attack you. I I agree. I I agree. I'm not disagreeing with you. What I'm trying to say is the world's best skier can't outrun an avalanche. And the amount of... Yeah, you can in this case. Yeah. Yeah, you absolutely can. And and the reason is, is because you you pointed out he's going to bombard you with lies. The truth defeats it all. Sometimes you have a brain freeze because of the amount of lies I, that are I, being told. Okay, now, 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 look, now we're getting to the point of just trying to find a reason yeah, it's, to give an excuse it, for and, Ron Johnson. And, and, and I'm sorry. Look, I, look, I, I, I want Ron Johnson. I want his side. I agree with his side much more. I want the truth to win out, and he has the truth. You have to be able to. If you can't do it, then don't go on the show. That's what we said. If you don't have the ability... And you can't do it, then don't go on the show. That's another option. And and thank you for the call, Harry. It yeah. is here's the deal. And thanks, Harry. I appreciate your call. And I understand. I understand that you can view it. You go highly trained. Chuck Todd is. Yeah, let's not give Chuck let, Todd too much credit. Please. Here. Yeah. And so the, next thing you don't. I mean, next thing is going to be Stepanopoulos. And these people, you can defeat their argument extremely. It's quickly. very simple, and you keep it short. 
we're going to look into whether or not the current president is compromised. The American people should know that, and we're going to find it out. This has nothing to do with Hunter. And everything he throws at you, you repeat the same. Because here's what it comes down to. It's going to happen, Chuck, and you don't get to decide whether it does or not. It's already in motion. We're going to find the truth for the American people because they deserve it. They want to know the truth, and they deserve to know the truth. Consider yourself canceled if you don't listen nightly. Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 uh, Red Eye. To Harry in Pittsburgh, look, I know that when you, you know, when, I, I don't know if you have any association with Senator Ron Johnson. I mean, he called from Pittsburgh, but uh, he's from Wisconsin. But you said that uh, that uh, the uh, the job of, uh, of uh, Chuck Todd, you know, is, you know, he's a, political activist liar that's yeah. what he uh, does and uh, ron johnson is a senator who cares about his constituents no ron johnson's job is to communicate a message effectively you can't be somebody who's a member of congress unless at, at least <laughs> with me supporting you <laughs> if you don't communicate a message effectively it's one of the problems that the republicans have had for a significant period of time uh yeah. the, ron johnson is not just some senator Ron Johnson and Chuck Grassley led the investigation into the Hunter Biden scandal. Yep. Yep. I mean, there is there is no one in the Republican Party who knows more about Hunter Biden. than 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 uh, uh, Grassley and Johnson. Mm -hmm. So you need to be able to articulate it. And Chuck Todd, who, as you said, is full of lies. Good. Throw the truth at him. You'll yep. beat him. Yep. Well, he's an expert. An expert at what? He's an expert at getting frustrated. You see, he can get frustrated easily. But if you sit there and believe for one second that Chuck Todd's arguments are strong and so strong and he's so experienced that it's an impossible job for a Republican who's just a senator to argue with him. Mm. I would suggest you actually watch Chuck Todd's arguments and watch him more. And if you do believe that he has found a way to get into some uh, liar, circular logic that nobody can defeat, please point out where precisely that is. Because I don't see it. I know, Eric, you don't see it. No. No. Part of the frustration is we believe that Chuck Todd is extremely, extremely weak. And, you know, and that's what it comes down to, is that he's easily defeated. Because here's the thing. You're not having the hearing in front of Chuck Todd. Don't go into it. 
as if you are. Don't engage. Number one, it's not about Hunter. Right. As soon as you said that, you, you simply say, it's not about not Hunter. Not about Hunter. and Not about Hunter. And this is about and, finding the truth. And when he went in, like I said, when he said there's no law broken, and he immediately went into uh, Hunter Biden with uh, with uh, prostitutes, right there we went, okay, he just he set the premise and you fell right into it. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, this we're talking debate 101. Yep. He led you down another topic. He changed the topic. Because this is not about hunter and prostitutes. Right. Whatever happened there, I'll leave to authorities. This is about a sitting president and whether he is compromised. Right. And we intend to find that out. And the fact when when you, you know, you sell, because you'd sit there, because my question, well, he's just using his family name. For what? You know, because this, this is the argument that was made. Mm. Uh, Trump selling his family name. No, Trump's selling a construction business. Right. And a development business. Yep. So he's actually selling something. What's Hunter selling? Right. If you want to go down that argument, let's you might go down that path. Well, what what are they what are they selling? Right. Even Trump's children have their own businesses. Yeah. There was no business that Hunter Biden was involved in except using the family name for what? Right. What do you use the family name for when your father's a vice president? Right. And more importantly, and was there money that was funneled to the family? We know there the, was yeah, the, the family beyond the family directly to, to Joe Biden. To Joe Biden, right? As that's, a matter of uh, right. of influence here, right. and that's what you're looking to find out, right? And we have a we have a uh, sworn witness witnesses who say yes, and we have the evidence from his laptop. That, by the way, Chuck, you attempted to hide. Here's you talking about this. We have the audio of you talk. Would you like us to play the audio? You know something? You know what I would do. I'd actually, if you can find one of the digital recorders anymore or on your phone, I would actually take that out. Wouldn't that be great? You take out the, your your phone, you know how you've got out the audio or whatever you can get, whatever piece of equipment you say. Chuck, here's what you said about Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever. There you go. So who's the hypocrite? Oh, play the game. Make it so Chuck Todd is furious at you. Make that the story. Not that Chuck Todd is a political activist, but Ron Johnson destroyed him to the point where he's never coming on again because we're trying to do an interview here. You put him, you put him on the, uh, on the defensive. Yep. Big time. You have him reeling. I'm just sick and tired of using this excuse that Republicans just don't have it, what it takes to do it. You then know. they shouldn't attempt it. Then don't go on the show. Tell me what the purpose of going on would be if you're if you can't do it. Yeah. Let's go to Jay in Buffalo, New York. Jay, welcome. You're on Red Eye Radio. Hi, Jay. Hey, Gary. How you doing? Good. Good. Thanks for calling. I uh, I got a solution for the Republicans. Okay. Okay. For the ones that don't know what to say, download the Red Radio app. And listen to it at least one or two hours before you have any debate with any Democrat. <laughs> at least don't know at least what to talk about. Because it's unreal, you know? And let me tell you, second thing is, they don't need to argue anymore with these Democrats. Just ask where the money came from, from these Chinese people that donated to Joe Biden. Yeah. Yep. Just throw that money and you got them. Right. That's yeah. it. 
I mean, you it's don't have to go any further. It's, right. It's no, very that, no. That's a great. That's very a great. Simple. That that that's a great point. I mean, they were talking specifically about Hunter Biden, not that. But you know, that's one of the things right there. Well, we're investigating the anonymous tens of millions of Chinese donations. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, uh, to right. to the 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 Penn Biden Center, and and wondering whether there's a because it's unusual that that type of anonymous donations come in from one of our uh, a country of one of our enemies, and we want to be sure that the president wasn't compromised on it. What's Chuck's gonna, defense going to be for that? Because most people, right at that point, you lose, you okay. lose, if, at that point, you lose any support for Biden at that point because people will say, yeah. yeah, what's all these millions of dollars of donations coming right. in from right. anonymous Chinese sources right. when we know what happened with Hunter Biden and the Chinese energy company and the attempt to influence the president that way? Well, what did they get for that? Did they Did they expect something for it? Did they get it? Did they not get it? Right. And so those are all the questions yeah, that, that you would, that, yeah. Go ahead. And that was billed on, on taxpayers' money. So that money was funneled through there, making it look like it was used to build that building, but it wasn't. So, you know, they, it, it, I'm not going to go too far into it if I don't have all the information. But yeah, but I, 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 don't, know I don't know, yeah, I don't know exactly, yeah, I don't know exactly where that money, uh, I don't know exactly where that money went. I, I haven't yeah, seen any. Sir. Anything that I can verify that say that it didn't go into the building, that some went uh, elsewhere or whatever, I don't know exactly what the finances of that were. Well, you start with a very legitimate concern about anonymous donations from China. Right. That's, you, st- you start at that particular point. Right? You know, right. and, it's, and it, it is very simple. You know, I saw over the weekend, you know, because you look at, you know, we, we talk about the DeSantis model. Mm-hmm. Know how to argue. Know yep. how to debate. Right. And there was a story uh, that uh, came out over the weekend uh, that uh, after Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' office blasted the National Hockey League for hosting a discriminatory job fair that only allows certain groups of people to attend, the league backtracked and said the event is open to all individuals over 18 years of age. The event, titled Pathway to Hockey Summit, is scheduled for February 2nd during the All-Star festivities in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and seeks to help diverse job seekers who are pursuing careers in uh, hockey according to the now deleted post by the national hockey league promoting the event on linkedin the event is only open to certain groups of people participants must be 18 years of age or older based in the u.s and identify as female black asian pacific islander hispanic latino indigenous lgbtqia plus and or a person with a disability veterans are also uh, welcome to attend the event description states In a statement from the governor, here it is. Discrimination of any sort is not welcome in the state of Florida. We do not abide by the woke notion that discrimination should be overlooked if applied in a politically popular manner or against a politically unpopular demographic. We are fighting all discrimination in our schools and our workplaces, and we will fight it publicly in publicly accessible places of meetings or activities. End of quote. That came from the uh, DeSantis's press secretary Brian Griffin, uh, NHL backed off. They had to. Yeah, Griffin said the NHL should immediately remove and denounce the discriminatory prohibitions. In a statement, the Fox to Fox News Digital, the NHL said the original wording of the LinkedIn post associated with the event was not accurate. Mm. <laughs> mm. So. The NHL deleted the event posting from its LinkedIn account on Friday night. And uh, and for further clarification, a spokesman for the NHL said the event is open to anyone 
ages 18 or older. Uh, we know that it wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah, it's not an accident that the NHL put out the original thing that they put out. Right. They changed it because of the pressure. Why? Because you can't argue with the debate point that the governor's office made. Right. That's what you have to do yep. on everything. Yep. You make your arguments so strong. If DeSantis can do it, Ron Johnson can do it. And I don't know why they at the NHL didn't already know that about the governor and how that was going to be handled. But it's clear. They did that deliberately. And by the way, they also deliberately had to go take it down because they were handed defeat in a very direct fashion by the governor's office. That's how you handle things. You don't get, don't, did did you hear Governor DeSantis go down the road of, of well, I mean, you know, well, well, we're we're open to, no. You end it by making the direct statement that they did. You throw it back at them. You don't give them any room at all. They don't get away with things like that. If you're in charge. And if you're not going to take charge, then don't go sit down with Chuck Todd. You should know. In fact, I would treat it the same way if you were going to sit down at Fox News. You need to know what your purpose is. You need to know what your mission is. And when you can define that anywhere and everywhere, it doesn't matter if it's Pete Ducey. Or Chuck Todd doing the interview, you're going to say the same thing. 86690 Red Eye. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. Earn personalized savings on commercial truck insurance with Smart Hall from Progressive. Learn more at progressivecommercial.com. Not available in all states. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Quickly to Paul in Idaho about Chuck Todd and Ron Johnson interview. Uh, Paul, you're on Red Eye Radio. Welcome to the show. Good evening, gentlemen. Hi. Yeah, sorry about your friend that's going through what he's going through medically. Thanks. Best wishes and prayers. To him. Appreciate it. Um, Chuck Todd, I believe, has been a hack from the beginning. Remember, he was picked to cover for the loss of Tim Russert, who was a consummate professional journalist knew his job well and didn't treat people like they were children <laughs> and, that, yeah. and that's what i get that's what i get from chuck todd he's never filled the shoes and he never will that's the trouble because he's trying to do something that he just doesn't have the ability to be able to do yep right now he, he's he's a paid professional propagandist and, and he knows one thing and, and that's to make the republicans look bad he has no other job there. Now, when he proposes a question to somebody that should be coached and coached for at least a week, such as Ron Johnson, he needs to have the answers ahead of time because he's going to have the, the follow-up questions coming at him in a barrage. Now, if you go into battle and you don't know what you're going to do before you go into battle, you're going to have a lot of soldiers laying on the field. And and that's kind of the way I look at Ron Johnson and what he did, because I caught about half of that. 
and he was just ill prepared completely. Yeah, well, that's one and, of the one of the things you do is you don't have to, and, and I've said this many times before. You don't end up going on many shows before, and I know it it hit me it hit me early on when I used to do interviews. You know, be on interview shows, mostly local interview shows, and I didn't buy the premise of the question. And so they got frustrated because you were argue, you weren't going down their path. You, well, I don't buy the premise. Your premise is wrong because of this, this, this. That's what you should have said. Well, your premise is wrong. I'm not looking at uh, Hunter Biden is not important to me. It's the president that's important to me mm-hmm. and and whether he is uh, compromised by foreign governments because of the enrichment of his family through that. And that's what you and people would go. Yeah, exactly. And that's the problem there. By the way, uh, it was uh, Tom Brokaw actually filled in temporarily after Tim Russert died. Then David Gregory actually uh replaced tim russert uh on a full-time basis then chuck todd replaced uh david gregory i say dick gregory (laughs) i meant david gregory Mm -hmm. uh so david gregory but he was no tim russert either david gregory right no he wasn't placed himself Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the planet, we're Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. If you can't listen live overnight, then you can listen when and where you wish to. All right, so last time we were here was uh, last Thursday. Thursday night, well, we were here Friday. I mean, Thursday night, Friday morning. And so mm-hmm. the news that we were talking about last Friday morning early Friday morning, because we're the first shift of the day, which is why we're called the third shift, if that makes any sense. Uh, <laughs> but we were talking about the news of last Thursday when Corrine Jean-Pierre said this about the top secret documents. The, the search is clearly complete. They completed uh, the uh, uh, the search. The search is complete. Uh, he is confident in this process. You should assume that it's been completed, yes. After the search concluded last night, that search was completed last night. There you go. And as we know, Thursday night, after she had said that, the searching was actually continuing, and they found more top-secret documents that they did not report uh, until Saturday. So yeah, uh, that's where we are. What did Chris Christie have to say? Hmm. Another audio cut here from uh, this week. Who made that decision? Ron Klain make that decision? Who made the decision not to disclose? Not to disclose. Did Ron Klain make the decision? Did the president make the decision? Who made the decision to not tell the American people six days before an election? And if Donald Trump had not told people six days before an election, what would the conversation be about right now? I guarantee you it would be about cover-up. You know, we talked about Corrine Jean-Pierre last week. And uh, by the way, Chris Christie there. And, uh, and, and talking about who made the decision not to be transparent with the public. The other thing is, well, the Department of Justice and... Uh, Merrick Garland, this also came out, Merrick Garland uh, knew before the election. He yeah. knew yeah. when he was when he was uh, going through the process of getting a uh, special counsel for Trump. He knew that these documents had been found. Yeah, that was a, that was a 
interesting point that came out. So many, I, I think that Corinne Jean-Pierre couldn't answer any question last week. If she couldn't answer 50 questions last week, there's going to be about 150 questions she can't answer today if they're holding a press briefing. Starting the question, starting with the question about the question from last Thursday. Right. <laughs> exactly. It's You're, because that's what it's going to be about today is, wait a minute, you were telling us the search had concluded when it clearly had not, and you knew it had not. And so the then it gets down to uh, what did the DOJ know? And was anybody from the DOJ involved in the search? From what we know, no. From what we're told, yeah, it was his lawyers handling his personal lawyers and what had handling come, the search. What had come out is we first heard of the story, I believe, January 5th. Yeah. Or, or I'm trying to think. No, it was January 5th where the we were the um, U.S. attorney for Chicago. It was either January 5th or 6th. Uh, told Merrick Garland that they should have a special counsel for this. Right, right. So it was early. I mean, this goes back over a week ago when I can't remember the first day that this that this had come out about the top secret documents. But it was right at that day or the day after where he said there should be a special counsel for that. Mm. And he's the one that was appointed by the Department of Justice. So when they were looking and found all these other documents, the Justice Department was investigating it. Yet still, it wasn't the Justice Department doing the searches. It was his lawyer all the way up to the end. Everything, even after a special counsel was appointed on Thursday, still on Thursday night, it was the president's lawyers still doing the search for more documents. Right. So there are questions to be answered there. There's questions to be answered as to Merrick Garland knowing. Of course, the question of transparency which, again, is not going to go away at all because as they continue to talk about being, you know, transparent and transparent and transparent, they're not transparent and everybody knows Hmm. that they're not. The other interesting thing here about this is the fact, and uh, constitutional law professor Jonathan Turley, who apparently has dealt many times with top-secret items, made the great point and said, look, all top secret papers are in a folder. And the folders are absolutely marked where you cannot mistake the fact that they are classified and they, you know, classified top secret. And so he brought up earlier, uh, this was, or late last week, which is earlier, <laughs> he brought up the fact that because they were found in multiple locations and then divided. When they talked about finding one sheet, remember that? Mm-hmm. And he said, well, was that in a folder? Was that a was that a sheet in a folder that it was originally put in? Right. Or was it just a sheet laying around? And the other five sheets that they found, were those sheets just laying around? Or were they in a folder? And if they were in a folder, you're telling me, that knowing that this happened, it took two months to just take a walk through and see if there's any of these brightly covered top secret folder or folders that are just hanging around. And he made the point, if they weren't in the folders, the whole inadvertent defense 
goes right out the window. Yeah, that's over. Because it was clearly somebody deliberately took them out of those folders to access them and left them out of the folders after they were accessed. The media seemed to want to make a great big deal about, well, the Trump the Trump, and uh, this are, are two different circumstances. You're comparing apples to oranges. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll bite on that one. They're different. One dealt with Trump. One dealt with Biden. So that right there makes them different. Yeah. Uh, as been pointed out, though, with Trump, this is something that's been going on for a year and a half. Or, or almost two years, but a year and a half, because it was really what was it, last summer where they really started getting into the, you know, negotiations and right. everything else. And, right. And uh, and and so, uh, you know, by the, then we got to September and October when it really heated up. Uh, but as we um, as we know, this was a negotiation that was going on from the time that he was out of office. Everybody knew. That he had, and I mean, everybody that needed to know, I mean, the National Archives knew exactly what he had, right? Yep. And they were monitoring exactly what he had. And they were going back and forth, and Trump, they had a disagreement. Now, what will eventually come out from that investigation, we will see. But everybody knew where it was. It was in one room. And when the National Archives told him, we want it locked up, they locked him up. Yep. The Secret Service was there all the time. That's the Trump. Here, nobody apparently ever knew that these top secret documents were missing. Why? National Archives never knew about it. Nobody knew about it. National Archives didn't know about it. Joe Biden didn't know about it. Well, who knew about it? Somebody knew about it. Somebody had to know about it. And if the National Archives wasn't aware, does that mean somebody went in, accessed the archives, and took only a few documents out. When you have the National Archives that apparently didn't know about it, when you have Joe Biden that doesn't have, he doesn't have the ability to declassify. It's And so you have then them found in four, diff- four different locations? Wait. Yes, technically. Assuming that the last right. batch that was found, there were two found in the home. Right, two right, two found in the home. And then a third the one right, right. found, and we don't know the exact location of that. And then the University of Pennsylvania documents, which began the whole thing. So the right, question so. would be, did anybody at the National Archives know, is there any record of these documents not being there? Even if they didn't pay attention to that record for several years, which would, that boggles the mind. But again, did they, was there any record at all of those documents being taken? Because it appears we have a handful of documents that were taken, not files and files, because the media made a big deal out of of originally saying, well, see, it was only a few documents. Uh, uh, Trump had 
uh, hundreds of documents. Okay, let's take a look at that. From the beginning, in the process of moving documents, the National Archives was aware of what Trump had. Right. We now know that. Now, I haven't seen anyone say the National Archives was aware that these documents that were found were missing from the the Biden documents were missing. I haven't seen anybody say that. In fact, we're led to believe by the reporting so far that they weren't aware at all. But the the biggest problem seems to be that they were divided, these documents, Mm -hmm. in four different places. So I guess you could make the case if you want to play the little game. Yeah, but by four times the number of places, four (laughs) times, 400% more locations than Trump. Mm -hmm. If if you're going to play that game, play the game. We're just, you know, they're the ones that, you know, if, if you want to know the differences, we're just telling you the differences between the Trump thing and what's going on here. Uh, and so you had uh, you had four locations, which means they were uh, that they divided. They were divided somehow between four different places. Then you have the possible separation of the documents from the folders, yeah. or right. the for, or you know separated from you know the the folders or the box of folders or whatever. Yeah, but right. the separation and then the concern now that these documents were not found in a folder, but they were just the sheets, the actual information that came from within the folders, because that was the thing. If you knew that the documents were there and they were in the folder, you would see it because they're so, as Jonathan Turley wrote, they're so clearly and distinctly marked, the folders. If they are on a piece of paper, it shows that somebody took that piece of paper out of the folder and at that point, there's hell to pay. Yeah. Yep. Because there are documents that, and again, there are documents laying around a house that Hunter Biden was renting for a significant period of time. And with all these folders, when Hunter Biden was living there, there was no Secret Service protection. Right. There was no Secret Service security. Right. Is that why he's going to the 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 vet defense? Mm-hmm. <laughs> The Corvette defense, mm. because he was living there. So there was no Secret Service protection at that time. There was no security over those documents. And if you say, well, they weren't there then, oh, excuse oh, well, me. Now you're saying they've been moved. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now you're well, saying everywhere <laughs> you try and go exactly. with this, you open up something new. Yeah. Because we're told that the Secret Service doesn't have a record of it's, it. And the defense is. For the Wilmington House, that's his personal property, and it's personal. He's a sitting president. There is no personal. There's nothing personal. (laughs) And the Secret Service, if you're telling us they're not keeping track of who's coming and going at his house in, in Delaware, which you could argue would be the most vulnerable place for him to be in terms of a regular place that he would visit. Then now we've got a whole line of questions down that because that's where I would start. I wonder if Ducey will start there today. Well, are, are you telling me the Secret Service doesn't keep track of people coming and going at the president's home in Wilmington? Yeah, and that's Andrew McCarthy brought that up. In you know, former U.S. attorney, he just said, 
You're telling me that if there was an investigation to harm the president that was based out of Wilmington. Yeah, some kind of plot to right. harm the president or whatever. That 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 might have to do with employees that were around the House or whatever, that there is that the Secret Service doesn't keep a record of everybody walking into that house and coming out of that house. And he said, I don't buy it. Because if that is the case, we've got a whole new committee that we have to get together for the yeah. Republicans, and they're going to have to look into... Uh, what's going on at the Secret Service? Why aren't they doing their job? It's going to be a nightmare. For oh, me. my gosh. This is a Everywhere right you now. turn, yep. it just opens yep. up a whole other massive mountain of questions. And then his personal lawyers doing all the investigating while the Department of Justice was invest or doing all the searching while the Department of Justice clearly was investigating it and was making it known we're investigating it and then went to the special counsel and still it was his personal attorneys who can claim, you know, who are always going to put things, you know, they're not they're not unbiased actors in this. Right. They only exist for one reason, to cover for the president. Right. And everybody knows that that's what personal lawyers do. Right. So why were they still searching when we knew the investigation was going on? And then even after a special counsel was put forth, they still were allowing, and they were found in more than one place, they were still allowing the personal lawyers to do the searching for it. I don't know how you win that argument. No. no. Eight six six ninety red eye the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration recently released its list of 2022 natural disasters causing at least $1 billion, with a B, dollars in damage. The initial list coming out with $18 billion disasters for the calendar year. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey says 11 of those were severe weather outbreak disasters. Starting with the Texas hailstorm in February, it occurred on the 21st and 22nd of 2022 and then ending with a sprawling severe weather outbreak that occurred in much of the northern and central United States from July 22nd to 24th. Even more significant, according to Rippy, That may be a bit of a warning to us that we could go through another very active year in 2023, given the continuing La Nina conditions, active storm track, and so the potential for more high wind events, large hail, isolated tornado outbreaks, even derecho type events. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. The USDA report is brought to you by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Highway Diesel Fuel. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Here, want an example of gaslighting? Hmm. Here we go. Jake Tapper talking to Democratic Representative Jamie Raskin. This was before the uh, fourth location, okay, the before the fourth location of uh, uh, top-secret documents was uh, found at one of Biden's properties. Here we go. Listen to this, because this is pure gaslighting. Right. Now we learn that President Biden had roughly 20 classified documents, including some marked top secret in three different locations. By Biden's own standard, wasn't Biden totally irresponsible with classified information? And aren't we right to wonder, to use Biden's words, quote, what data was in there that may compromise sources and methods? 
Well, and I think we'll get to the bottom of all of that. I mean, that's why special counsel uh, has been appointed by Attorney General Merrick Garland. He did the right thing there to look into it. Um, you know, I'm hoping that we will keep a sense of symmetry about our analysis of these situations and a sense of proportion about the underlying offenses. There's some people who are trying to compare uh, having a government document um, that should no longer be in your possession to inciting uh, a violent insurrection against the government of the United States. Huh? Huh? I didn't hear anybody. Did I, I miss heard, something? I haven't heard anybody doing I haven't heard anybody made that comparison. And number one, who's making that comparison? Anybody who would look at what happened on January 6th on the Republican side, as he's trying to imply, would not use the word insurrection because it was right. not an insurrection. Right. So he's gaslighting. He's making that up. He's lying. Yep. On your smart speakers, say, play Red Eye Radio. And, if you're really nice, she might. Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. I want to play this audio cut here from New York City Mayor Eric Adams. And uh, this audio cut came out over the weekend. He was in uh, El Paso, as we know, to actually look at uh, the illegal immigration uh, problems that we have and the fact that there are 40,000 migrants now that have, uh, well, I guess I won't say been sent, but they voluntarily, uh, you know, went to New York. Mm. And uh, here's Eric Adams. Now, there's a little bit of echo to this, but I want to play at least the first part of it so you can hear it in his own words. Our cities are being undermined, and we don't deserve this. Migrants don't deserve this. And the people who live in the cities don't deserve this. We expect more from our from our from our national government, our national leaders. Mm-hmm. Is what he said. We expect more from our national leaders. Sorry, that was just cut off. But uh, uh, but he didn't say he just did the generic national leaders. He didn't say this is the administration. They need to stop this. Right. You know. So he's still not telling the truth. No, I mean this is on the Biden administration. Right. It's on Biden. Play all all the games you want, but it's on Biden. And everybody knows it. Right. There isn't anyone. Remember, we're still being told by Mayorkas, the official policy, the official opinion of the government is the border is secure. Hmm. Mayorkas is the head. He's still stating it. Yep. Everybody knows it's a lie. Every single Democrat knows that the president and Mayorkas uh, are blind about the border. But it's okay. I did see, where was it? Uh, I did see there were farmers. Another story came out from uh, Arizona where it said farmers are uh, furious uh, because the uh, the uh, illegal migration across the border is destroying their crops. Right. Don't know what to say. That's what Arizona wants. Yep. That's how they're voting. Arizona right. Arizona wants this. I don't know. Talk to, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, if, if a cry to the national government, I guess you can do that. But the fact is, Arizona, the people of Arizona voted for it. 
Not maybe you didn't, and others didn't. And if you live in Arizona listening right now, you you might not have because you're much more conservative and you view, you view that uh, immigration, uh, legal immigration, is a totally separate topic than illegal immigration into this country. And the uh, the Biden administration not following immigration laws, you view that as a problem, but the majority of voters in Arizona do not. They want chaos at the border. Yep. In Arizona. They're okay the, with that. The government does now. That's what the state government wants. The state government wants of Arizona wants the chaos at the border. Yep. They don't want to stop it. I don't know why this is so hard for the people of Arizona or anyone else on the border to understand. They want this. What's so hard to understand? Well, and a choice that's made in the wake of a current president who was bragging about it and campaigning on it and then made it happen. Yeah. As president of the U.S. And still said it last week. And still said it last Last week. week. And you're going to have to talk to the people who voted in your state for this to continue in your state to increase the madness. I remember, I'm old enough to remember, when Arizona was concerned about it. And apparently, not enough people are. This is an interesting story. On Friday, Wyoming lawmakers introduced a bill that would ban the sale of new electric vehicles at a time when many states, including Massachusetts, New York, and Vermont, are considering bans on gas-powered cars while some states like California have already advanced such legislation. Wyoming State Joint, Wyoming state joint Resolution, uh, SJ0004, <laughs> is a bill expressing support for phasing out the sale of new electric vehicles in Wyoming by 2035. Mm. And notes oil and gas production has long been one of Wyoming's proud and valued, valued industries, The oil and gas industry in Wyoming has created countless jobs and has contributed revenues to the state of Washington throughout the state's history. The legislation reads, uh, according to the Daily Mail, the bill was put forward by State Senator Jim Anderson and a group of state legislators. The bill says the U.S. has consistently invested in the oil and gas industry to sustain gas-powered vehicles, and that investment has resulted in in the continued employment of thousands of people in the oil and gas industry in Wyoming and throughout the country. These measures would ensure the stability of Wyoming's oil and gas industry, which has generated revenues for the state of Wyoming throughout its history and created countless jobs. So there you go. Uh, The critical minerals also used in the electric batteries are not easily recyclable or disposable, the bill adds. Uh, speaking uh, to the Cowboy State Daily. All right. There's a good newspaper. GOP State, I just love the name of it. GOP State Senator Brian Bunner said the bill was slightly tongue-in-cheek, but that it's a very serious issue that deserves some public discussion. So they're not really going to do that. Well, it at least... Bring it to the surface and talk about what the left isn't talking about. Uh, finish the equation. What can be done about what happens to the old batteries? What happens to, when 
because of mandates, you have a mandated demand that grows. Where are you going to get everything you need to build these and power these vehicles? We can't ramp that up between now and 2035. Yeah, who said? not even. Was that you saying? Who said that last yeah, week? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was one of the economists. Uh, it uh, his name is his last name is Zion, and uh, he made the statement that as a nation, we've never ramped up in uh, to that extent to the extent that we would need to over the next decade or so in the materials needed in terms of mining the materials needed to build those cars. And then beyond that, we would add, and I would add, maintain those cars and maintain a grid to power those cars. This is the problem. It's not going to be, this. that is not sustainable. Zion believes, as an economist, he believes states like California are going to kick the can down the road and the 2035 thing isn't going to happen because they'll a few years ahead of that, they'll realize they're not close to meeting that goal. And there will be a severe shortage, which is a, an impact on the California economy. Of course, if they don't have enough materials, then they don't have enough cars. If they don't have enough cars, you're going to tell me they're going to just stop selling new cars in California, you know, it's really uh, I- interesting. Uh, there was a, a YouTube video, and there was some profanity in it. I'm going to have to make sure I edit it out. I'll, I'll see if we can uh, play it later on this week from Konstantin uh, Kizin, who is a Russian British comedian mm-hmm. and 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 uh, political commentator. Mm-hmm. He does both, but he was at Oxford, and you know, if you ever see Jordan Peterson at Oxford, mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. he was he was uh, speaking, and he you know talked about the woke culture has gone too far. And one of the things he talked about, you know, Martin Luther King Day, and he says, you want to stop racism? The only thing that matters is you treat everybody as a, basically as an individual. Yep. The only thing that matters is the content of character. Nothing else matters. Nothing. Right. Nothing. If you bring up something else that, that you know, then you're a racist. Right. It's the only thing that matters is that, and then he got into climate change. And he said, he talked about, you know, Great Britain because he's at Oxford and he said, uh, we put in, and he was he was in. I think he's like forty years old. So he was in um, Russia till he was eleven, then moved to uh, Great Britain. But you know, relatives in Russia and everything else, and looks at it and goes, "That's what we don't want to be." Mm-hmm. And uh, and got into a um, uh, a discussion about climate change, and he said, "You're not going to stop it." He said, "We we if if we stopped everything here, everything, you know, we're like one or two percent of it." He said. Them at all of these, so you look at where the increase is going to come, who's going to be producing, you know, 90% of what is being put into the atmosphere. It's all poor countries. Yeah. It's all poor countries because it's all, it's all uh, Asia, Africa, South America. Right. He said, they're not going to stop. They're all poor. You're not going to tell a poor person, sorry, you're not going to do what Obama did. Right. Obama went to Africa. Sorry, Africa, you can't have what we have. We have to cut back, but you can't have the modern conveniences. You can't have air conditioning. Remember, he said air conditioning. You can't have the modern you cars. You can't that have, we have an today. industrial revolution, right? You cannot have an industrial revolution. You can't have it because the seas will be boiling. Now let me get back in my seven forty-seven. Bye, you suckers. Bye. Yep. And and 
you know, that entire idea. We're going to stop. Just imagine. We're going to stop manufacturing. Somebody will manufacture it. And you think that those other nations are going to care about yeah. any kind of global warming standard? He goes, the, the, those, those people are poor. They're in poverty. Poverty trumps all. He goes, They're going to see opportunity to, to get yeah. them to a place that they've never been before. They're going to see a wealth expansion. And by their standards, they'll never care. And he said, so even if you believe in global warming, this was mm-hmm. his argument, even mm-hmm. if I believe in it, I wouldn't want it because I know we can't stop it. So the only way we can stop it, if I believe in global warming, and this really is the, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, oh, I can't think of the name. Bjorn Lundberg. Uh, Bjorn Lundberg. I, him I remember, that uh, uh, the other guy that was part of the uh, Twitter files. Hmm. Schellenberger. The yeah. same thing. Yeah. They both, you know, they both believe that they're, they're part of that. Yeah, we believe that global warming is probably happening and part of it probably is due to human beings we really don't know how much of it is but everything that they want to do is the wrong thing to do that if you want even if you believe in it if you truly believe in it you're not going to waste resources on things that aren't going to do any good and, right. goes, and that's what they've been stating for the longest time and this Constantin uh, kizen said the same thing uh he said even if i believed in it you can't stop it because the poor nations are not going to remain poor no. They're not going to do it. So you can't do it, and you can't ask them to remain uh, uh, poor or demand or force them to remain poor. So the only thing that we can do is look for all the technology we can in the future that is that that uh, is actually sustainable. And I mean sustainable in the fact that you can produce consistent forms of energy. Reliable. Reliable, right, reliable. You just can't sit there and say, well, we believe that just at this link of the chain, there's less carbon gases. Forget about the rest of the chain. We're just looking at this part right here. The rest doesn't matter. You can't, you know, you can't do that. You have to look and say, okay, is there actually a technology uh, uh, out there? So, And what would that mining require? Think about all that it would take how you'd have to ramp up mining in a way that has never happened before globally. That's, that's not going to get you there. And so we deal with, we deal with the stupid left. Well, we need to get rid of half the population of the world. Oh yeah. That's an option. Yeah. How do we do? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Let's seriously consider that. Mm -hmm. We'll just have the hunger games. Well, let's, let's just uh, get rid of, uh, we need to decrease GDP by 20% over the next 100 years. So whatever GDP is now, you need to have a 20% less in 100 years. Uh-huh. You know how many hundreds of millions of people would die if you actually, if that was actually your philosophy, which they believe. Yep. And that's where Greta is now. Because mm-hmm. remember, she she's even said it. You know, the Democrats, and you look at it, the Keystone Pipeline was all show. Because yeah. even what they believe, it didn't even match what they believe. It's just this is a narrative we have, whether it's true or not. Biden killed tens of thousands of union jobs, and his own global warming people told him, or told the rest of the the world, well, no, it was the wrong thing to do. If you really care about global warming, mm-hmm. you would actually keep the pipeline because that's the most efficient way to put it through, and you put less carbon dioxide into the atmosphere and less global warming gases by doing it that, that way. It didn't matter. Even to the even to their narrative that we don't buy, right? Even by their narrative, 
still not going to do it. We just do what we do what the image tells us to do, whether the substance is there or not. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. I'm thinking we, I go to sleep here this morning, wake up, and it's like, we found more documents. It's like, yeah. <laughs> start out as one and then went to the garage and then in the house, yeah. then more in another location. Wow, what a cluster. It's, <laughs> seriously. One in a recipe book in the kitchen or should i say <laughs> clusters yeah yeah i mean i at this point you just have to assume they're gonna find more yeah oh, it's just a mess This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> Those Weekend Golf Guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.